Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right. Hello there, everybody. It is Thursday, July 14th, 2022. And it is indeed, once again, a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. For those joining us live, thank you very much. For those of you where this time is too early or doesn't fit in with your schedule, thank you for listening after the fact on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a wonderful Thursday. And I want to thank everybody, especially, I mean, we love the live listeners for sure. I want to thank the future listeners as well, because the podcast from Tuesday's show is by far the most listened to show we have ever done. And that is awesome. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. I think the topic had to do more than anything with the whole Dana White situation and the whole Nelk Boy situation, and people were angry at me. Wow. And I don't know why, but I had certain people, and I went off a little bit of a rant last week about people saying different things and just fans just not actually contextualizing what I actually say. And that happened again on Tuesday because... We're talking about Dana White's absence, which cannot be ignored. Hold on. I got to let my dog out of the room because he wanted to hang out. And now he wants to get out. Bye, Shiloh. Thanks, buddy. But anyways, we were talking about Dana White, how his absence from these events is just really hard to ignore. And a lot of people are like, oh, maybe he had COVID. He missed one event. He didn't miss one event. He's missed a lot of events. I think between UFC 275, and I could be slightly wrong about this, but between UFC 275 and UFC 276, I think Dana White has actually been at one event, and it was the Austin card. Since then, we haven't really seen him. He doesn't go to all the Apex cards. I don't expect him to go to the Apex cards all the time. But not seeing him at 275, it was his kid's birthday, like I said. Special moment. It's a bonding thing between father and son. I get that. I get it. No problem. But him missing all of 276, missing the whole international fight week, missing the card, ceremonials, everything, both press conferences, a little puzzling. And maybe he did have COVID. 
But it's just, it's kind of weird that we've heard nothing about it. And then the whole, with the whole Nelk Boy thing, that's where people really got pissed off because I was being a little sarcastic with different things because Dana White gave $250,000 to a guy he hasn't known all that long. And man, there were a lot of Nelk Boy fans out there who took that personally. I mean, jeez, people were coming at me like, oh, like, you know about their relationship. Oh, like you guys know. Like, what's actually happening behind the scenes? Uh, you don't know how long Dana and the Nelk Boys have been friends for. He could do whatever he wants. No shit. That's what I said. The main concept of that rant was, it's Dana White's money. He can give it to or do whatever he wants with it. If he wants to give $250,000 to a YouTuber, I don't care. That's his money. But I also said I understand why fighters might feel a certain way, but I also understand that it's his freaking money and he could give it to whoever he wants. He could gift it however he wants, but no one wants to bring that part up of the conversation. They just want to bring up the fact that I said that, Oh, Dana's giving $250,000 to a guy. He's had a few cups of coffee with in terms of how long the relationship's been going on. Dude, get a life. Seriously. Out of everything I said in that, in that conversation, that's the thing that you people want to bring up is that I made a sarcastic joke about, Dana giving $250,000 to a guy he hasn't known that long. You're so MMA fans are the best. The people who are in this room are the best. Some of you are terrible. Some of the MMA fans are just awful. And they just pull out the most random bullshit of these conversations. And they try to like discredit me and say these things. It's just so dumb. And maybe I need to have thicker skin. And normally I do, but I can't ignore stupidity. And in this case, that's dumb, especially when I actually said that Dana can do whatever he wants with his money. But that's neither here nor there. I am jumping off the proverbial soapbox. I am ready to go and take calls. And we have a lot to talk about. We can talk about Saturday's Long Island event, early morning MMA, early day MMA. I'm very excited about that. We got a big main event in the featherweight division between Yaya Rodriguez and Brian Ortega. Fun card from top to bottom. Some really fun fights. Nathan Diaz went on the MMA Hour, a special edition of the show on Tuesday, and he just opened up, went at it, got after it, said a lot of things. Some of the things were new. Some of them we've known for quite some time, but to actually hear it from the man himself, you don't get a lot of Nate Diaz interviews these days, and to hear him just say what he had to say and get a lot of things off his chest and kind of clear some things up was kind of refreshing. But at the same time, like this whole thing is stupid. Nate should just be okay to just go off and do whatever he wants. I know Ariel talked a lot about this on the, on the nose segment yesterday and I agree with everything he said. So I'm not going to really regurgitate all of that, but come on now you want to play this independent contractor card. Let him go. Let him go. Independent contractors are able to do other things. They're not locked into exclusive contracts, especially in sports, especially in this day and age. But yet Nate is basically imprisoned inside the UFC. It is ridiculous. Give this man a fight. He's been asking for a fight for a long ass time now. What are we doing here? Seriously, what are we doing here? The guy is willing to fight this last last fight on his deal. Let him fight. Give him anybody. He would have fought Shemayev. That fight's probably not happening now. 
because I just don't know. Like the fact that Shemaev isn't booked on the Abu Dhabi card, Nate's not going to Abu Dhabi. He wants to fight in July or August. Just give him a freaking fight. Put him on that August card against Dustin Poirier. That card needs a boost in a big way. I mean, there's some interesting fights in the card, no doubt about it. Kamar Usman is fighting Leon Edwards. Leon has deserved his title shot. He has earned the right to fight for the title. I have no quirks with the fight whatsoever. I have no, no issue with it. That's the fight that should be made. But it's happening in Salt Lake City, Utah. And I got to say, it's just, it's just not that interesting. Because I think most people feel like Kamara's just going to go up there at 50-45 Leon Edwards. I love the Jose Aldo-Marab fight. I like some of the other fights in the card. But if you're looking to pull five, 600,000 pay-per-views, the card as it stands right now is not going to do that. So what do we do? Let's put Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier in a five-round main event on this card. And let's just make it happen. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Especially with the amount of money the UFC is making right now, per year, because of this ESPN deal. They're making ridiculous money. And yes, it certainly stings to lose a star. I get it. It stings to lose a star. But it does nothing for your bottom line. It does nothing for your bottom line. What is it going to cost you in the long run? Some pay-per-views? But that doesn't matter. Pay-per-view is cherry on top of the Sunday. You're already making like a billion dollars a year, mostly because of this ESPN deal. All you have to do is put on fight cards. All you have to do is put on fight cards. A lot of these fight night cards, you just have to put them on. It doesn't, we have seen, it doesn't matter who's in the main event. It doesn't matter who's on the card. You're going to get the same amount of money. You're going to get paid the same, no matter what. So losing Nate stings, but it's not going to hurt you. You're not going to go out of business because you lose Nate Diaz. Everybody's happy. And here's the thing. As we've seen in the world of professional wrestling, the world of combat sports, we saw a world where Brock Lesnar actually came back and fought at UFC 200. Now, the circumstances that happened because of that fight, not ideal. But no one thought Brock Lesnar was coming back to fight. But you know what happens? When you scratch one back, the other scratch is yours. And if you let Nate go... If you let him have his last fight and go and you end the relationship on a high note, who's to say two years from now you offer Nate Diaz a fight, perhaps the Conor McGregor trilogy fight, and Nate is like, you know what? It took a minute. It took a little while to get here, but you know what? They let me go. They gave me my fight. They let me do my thing. They let me go off and explore things. They let me go box Jake Paul or whatever the hell he's going to do afterwards. And I'm happy with that. So when they call and ask for a favor... Maybe I'll come back and grant them that favor. But right now, it's just watching a guy who has tons of opportunities in front of him, just all these are getting squandered away because the UFC is being petty. Just let the guy fight. Let him move on with his life. And who's to say he can't come back? But the longer you wait, the chances of him coming back and doing business with you again grow smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's just bad. For everybody so let's see what you guys have to say about nate about ufc long island about whatever you want to talk about and we will kick things off with i'm gonna go with miami mike i think he was the first one out of the group here miami mike what's up buddy mike heck of a morning to you heck of a morning bro dude Indeed. i love it when all of these trolls come out 
and get Boston Mike fired up, dude. Even though <laughs> any team affiliated with Boston is trash. <laughs> but my question for you tonight, sir, for today, sir, is uh, what do you think is, is uh, Sean Brady's next move once he taps out Muhammad, dude? It's a good question right there. Um That's a really good question. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's just it probably depends on how he does it and what he does afterwards. Because I don't think Sean's gonna waste the opportunity, especially if he beats Bilal in that fight. And especially if he taps him. Like if he goes out there and submits Bilal Muhammad, that's a very big deal. I just don't want to hear Sean Brady go out and say, Hey, listen, anyone in the top five. Hey, listen, whoever the UFC wants to give me. Hey, listen. Whatever gets me closer to the title. Have a name ready to go, my my friend. Go out there. Do your thing. Have a name ready. Don't squander the opportunity. Which is, and I've said this a million times, and I hate going back to it, but I feel like because Bilal Muhammad did not take advantage of his opportunities, that's why he's fighting Sean Brady, and he's not fighting Shemaev, or he didn't fight Shemaev in April, or he didn't get some of these bigger fights that he wanted. He just, he made some... He made some, I mean, really shoot for the star callouts, calling for Usman, calling for Covington, which I respect the fact that he tried. But you had a guy right there who you subsequently called out in every single interview you did after the fact. You made T-shirts about Shabayat, but when the lights were on you, you called out two guys you had no chance of fighting at the time. So Brady, I think he understands where he's at right now. I know Brady's not a big crap talker, but... Sean Brady, because he actually called his shot and made it public and got people excited, that's why he got this fight. Brady called out Bilal. Bilal didn't really seem all that interested because he wanted the Shamaya fight. Brady kept sort of poking and prodding. He had his sights set on Muhammad from the, from the jump. He called out Wonderboy. It was a rankings thing. People didn't like that all that much. He was already booked with Muhammad in the past. And then he just was like, you know what? You don't want the Wonderboy call? Fine. I'll call Bilal. We'll try to get this thing back on the books. He just kept kind of poking and prodding. And finally, and, I, and I've been telling you guys for months, Bilal wanted Shemaev. I told you a million times, this is the fight the UFC wanted from the beginning. They wanted this fight. Now they get it. It's going to happen in Abu Dhabi, which I'm sure Bilal is pretty happy about. Sean Brady doesn't care. This is a big opportunity, but... He needs to, to follow up here. If he goes out there, beats Bilal, especially if he goes out there and finishes Bilal Muhammad, he's got to have a name ready to go. And if he does that, he's got a chance. We'll see what happens. Let's go to four-quarter sports. What's up, my man? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Um, had to go- Good. Good morning. Um, I wanted to ask you about... Um- What's it called? The Jack Shore, Ricky Simone. I think that fight honestly needs to be on the, the main card as opposed to match now. Um, Sumadurji. I don't know what's your opinion on that. Um, also, like, what's your take? Um, what's likelihood to happen? Is it a Yair knockout or is it um, a Ortega submission? Looks like we want to happen for uh, UFC Long Island. And I'm excited because I'm going to be at, at, the, at the event. If anybody wants to meet up, uh, Section 111. All right, guys. Uh, thank you, Mike, and have a good one. There we go. A little heck of a morning listener meetup. 
at UFC Long Island. Love that idea. Thank you, Four Corner Sports. Jack Shore, Ricky Simone is a banger. It is a fantastic fight. I'm very excited for this fight. It should be on the main card. It should be over Matt Schnell, Sumaderji. But I think this is one of those situations where the UFC is trying to weigh options. Do we want a fight that's probably going to end in the first round in this spot on ABC? Or do we want a thrilling 15-minute grinder of a fight? And I think they chose a fight that's more likely to knock it out of the first round. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think Sumaderji is probably going to crack... Matt Schnell pretty quickly, probably knock him out in the first round. And there's that. There's your highlight reel moment. This this is an ABC card. It's, you know, sort of in that combat sports historical slot in terms of time at, you know, that fight will happen to like in the afternoon, Eastern time, right around 2, 2 p.m. So I get why it's there. Obviously, the, the there's more stakes. It's a better competitive matchup. Between Jack Shore and Ricky Simone, love that fight. Can't wait to see it happen. As far as the result of the main event, I would say of those two options, I would say Brian Ortega by submission over Yair Rodriguez. Knockout, but I am picking Yair to win that fight. I think it goes all five. I think he ekes out a decision. And But if we're talking about like which out, which of those two specific outcomes is more likely, I would say Brian Ortega via submission. Let's go to Las Vegas, Nevada, and say hello to Mikey Bats. Mikey, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing all right, man. I just, I'm just going to make this short and sweet. If Aspinall and Paul Craig win next week in London, do you think they get? Do you think they? How good of a position do you think they'll be in a title for a title shot? They're like immediately, or maybe one more fight. All right, appreciate it, brother. I'll be, I'll be tuned in. Thanks, buddy. Aspinall will clearly be more in the discussion. Paul Craig's still going to have some work to do. I like Paul Craig a lot. 205 is just kind of it, it's kind of a mess right now. Heavyweight is also a mess, but it's a little more wide open. These fights that are coming up right now between Blades and Aspinall, and then we got Tuivasa and Gone. That's sort of going to be, we're starting like a little mini tournament here. And then we got Nganu. We don't know what he's going to do. And then we assume the UFC is going to try to do John Jones versus Stipe. So both guys, either way, are going to have a little bit of a road ahead of them. But it, I would say, As- I mean, Aspinall clearly will have the advantage in the conversation over Paul Craig. But I, I it all depends. Like, because if Ty Tuivasa goes out there and knocks out Cyr- Cyril Gone, then Tuivasa is going to be ahead of Tommy Aspinall. Just because... Tuivasa just, I don't know. Like, Tuivasa is more of a global commodity than Tommy Aspinall. Like, people all over the world love Tai Tuivasa. Tai Tuivasa went out and knocked out Derek Lewis in Houston, and people were cheering him at the end of that. Like, it was a sad moment. They were booing him on the way out, but Tai Tuivasa is just a fun dude. Does shoeies and all this stuff. Not saying that Tommy Aspinall doesn't do shoeies, but, like, Ty's the one who got that over. I feel like Tai Tuivasa... If Ty Tuivasa and Tommy Aspinall w- both win, Tuivasa is a little bit ahead of the conversation. But I feel like, and maybe Tuivasa gets in there right away, just depending on what happens with Ghana. Because I was ready, I was ready to give Tuivasa the vacant title, like the interim title fight, like right now after that Derek Lewis win. Because if you're gonna do it, you have to do it soon. I don't love the Cyril Gone matchup for him, 
I feel like he, he, there's a good chance he loses that fight, especially in Paris. But if Ty goes out there and beats Cyril Gaon, I mean, good Lord, what a story that would be if Ty Tuivasa became the champion. And I feel like the time, the, the hourglass is a little bit lighter going into the bottom, bottom half of it for Tuivasa. I feel like eventually all of this is going to catch up to him. Tommy Aspinall, I feel like his future is so bright. Like even, even if he loses to Curtis Blades, it's not going to just knock him out of title contention altogether. But I feel like any loss for Tai Tuivasa moving forward knocks him out of title contention, if that makes sense. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go to Patrick. Patrick, how are you? Oh, no. Patrick, try again, my man. Let's go to Beal. Anthony, we'll get you next. Beal, make sure you're on mute, my man. Nothing there. Try again, Beal. We'll get you in. Anthony. Anthony, you're there. Unmute. Anthony, you're muted. Okay. Toke, save us, please. Maybe. What is going on here? There we go. Now I got you. How are you, sir? My curveball of the day is um, Nate Diaz is not Nate Diaz, okay? Nate Diaz is Joe Davis from Utah. So uh, what I mean by that is what is the dream matchup for the skill set and the record of Nate Diaz if you take away the name and cachet? So my thought is he would have to go down and fight. Uh, what would be a competitive fight? It would be something like Wonder Boy, something like Joe Lozon even. I think just because his name, he's not getting the fights that are actually of his skill level. And I, he, he deserves the good fights because he is Nate Diaz. But imagine he's Cotton Eye Utah. Uh, how would it be then? And what would be your one matchup in that sense? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I, I at this point, I don't give a shit who he fights. Just fight anybody. Put, throw him in there with Court McGee. 
for Utah. Like, give Court that rub. Like, it doesn't – anybody, anybody. Put him in there with anybody. But I agree. Like, Wonder Boy's fine. Even, like, Cowboy, if he didn't retire, that would have been a fine one. I actually liked that one. Joe Lozon is fine. Like, especially, like, if Joe, Joe – Joe may not ever fight again because he's not going to get the Cowboy fight unless they throw him in there with Jim Miller one more time. I just don't know if anything else would get him excited. Maybe I mean Nate would sh- surely get him excited for one more. But yeah, I would go. I would go Joe Lozon. That's that's totally fine. I, I get where you're coming from. But Nate has also been doing this damn thing for a long time, so it's hard to it's hard to ignore like what he has done. I understand the skill set part of the question, but it, it, it's kind of it's just really hard to ignore what he's done. Like Muslim Salikov would be fun. Like someone who could just absolutely crack and just watch Nate just be like, come on, mofo. Come on, mofo. Let's go. So yeah, we'd love, there's lots of options. Nate, Nate against anybody is interesting at this point. Cause Nate, Nate, Nate doesn't really need a B side. So I, I, I understand that's not really part of the question, but skill for skill. Yeah. Lozon would actually be really fun. All right, Patrick. Mike, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. I got to get some shit off my chest, man. Uh-oh. Oh, I guess, let me first just put it in context. I, I love MMA, man. I, like, it's tough time to, um, for myself to, I feel conflicted. I feel kind of like a hypocrite sometimes supporting it, knowing, you know, how fucked up everything is behind the scenes and, and feeling like, it's just so many contradictions. It's such a sport of contradictions, you know? And, uh, you know, the year, the, the, the day I, last day of my freshman year in high school, me and my friends, we got on our bikes. We rode down to video world, which is the local movie rental place. And we went to the special interest section and there was Japanimation, which is what they called anime back then rented a bunch of, you know, Akira, fist of the North star, vampire hunter D, uh, there was like faces of death and like shark attacks and skateboarding videos. And then there was UFC we rented that shit, went back and watched Hoist Gracie just demolish everyone with Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, you know, I've been a fan ever since. And, but <laughs> listening to like the state of the sport and how popular it is uh, and hearing Nate Diaz, who is like, the biggest star and he himself is, is a ball of contradictions, you know? Uh, and he made an excellent point, which is, I think the root of the problem with the fighter pay, he said, I'm the best in the world. I'm in the top five, the best in the world at any skill, like whether that's basketball, hockey, uh, freaking even the best doctors you know anyone who is the best at something in the world should be compensated to that same level and you know these are professional athletes and uh and dana white wants to sometimes he wants to act like you guys are so lucky to be fist fighting for a living you know you're a bunch of savages you know and he wants to act like it's this brutal thing that you know you should be lucky that you're getting paid anything to punch someone in the face for a living, you know? But then on the other hand, he wants to act like we're on ESPN and we're a professional sport and we, our athletes, we have athletes that are professional athletes. And, uh, the, then the whole, 
giving $250,000, like, what an unimaginative goon. What an absolute fucking sad creep Dana White is to, he's like, oh, what's hot right now? Influencers. Oh, I know. I'm going to influence the influencers. I'm going to give them a freezer bag full of fucking cash. Uh, and, and subtly he's trolling everyone. He's like, look at how alpha I am. You know, I'm such a alpha male that I'm going to give this money away and it means nothing. And yet I'm going to not pay the fighters who, uh, you know, if you listen to the Khabib video recently that went viral where he's like, I train four times a day, you know, that's what it takes to, to be great at this sport. And he's saying, uh, you know, even, even at the, a punter in the NFL makes probably what a mil a year. And these fighters coming off the contender series get a four fight contract, 10 and 10. That means if they fight four times in a year, bust their ass, win all four fights, they're going to make less than a fucking, uh, entry level dentist. It's a joke. It's an absolute travesty. And Dana White can go get fucked. Hopefully, whatever's happening behind the scenes is uh, they're trying to push him out. And there's like a coup or something that, you know, hopefully maybe one thing from the corporate overlords of Disney, which owns ESPN. uh, Hopefully they're like, Dana's just an idiot. We need to get him out of here. You know, he's a Sean Strickland ass uh, CEO or president, whatever he is. He's just a, a mouthpiece and I want him gone. And... I don't know how close you are to cutting me off, but uh, it just, it's a perfect storm for me to like, just want to vent the frustrations. You know, him giving the money is literally just a symbol of like the times when of like these elite, elitist rich people just passing money between each other and it's meaningless, you know? Uh, So goodbye. I love it, Patrick. I love it. I love how this could be a space. We could just unload. You could just unleash. And that's what you just did there. Uh, a lot of things that you said, I agree with. Again, I will say the Dana White giving the money thing to the Nelk boy. I mean, it's his money. He could do whatever the hell he wants with it. The video coming out is just stupid, I guess. Like, if I'm Dana and I am, like, if I'm Dana, I'm like, why, why, why are you putting that video out? Like, you could have just given him the money. You could have just given him the money. No one would have known. Same impact to both of their lives. But now you put it out there. You allowed this to happen. Of course, the Nelk boy is going to brag about it. Like, look what Dana White just gave me. He gave me $250,000. Like, of course, he's going to brag about that. Dana White gave me $250,000. I'd be like, what the hell? Dana White just gave me $250,000. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about all of this is that we talk about the sport being a contradiction. This is one of those things where we are not happy with fighter pay. None of us should be happy with fighter pay. We should all be on the same page with that. We want the fighters to make the most amount of money that they can. However, the reason that they are not making as much money as they can is because of them. It's their own fault. When the company sold for $4.2 billion, this was the time for the fighters to come together and say, all right, now we're a big deal. 
$4.2 billion. We have something here. This isn't a, listen, we grinded. We came from the ground up. Like we're still, like we're still grasping. We're still grabbing at something to pull ourselves up, to get into the mainstream. You did it. You made it. They made it. They made it. $4.2 billion. That's huge. That's gigantic. And it was th at that moment that the fighters should have come together and said, all right, $4.2 billion. What are we getting from that? And they didn't do it. They didn't do it because they were scared. And I get that. Like, listen, at the time, 2016, making it to the UFC as a fighter, and it still is today. It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal. It's the Mecca. It's where you want to be. But this is a problem. And if you're the UFC making the amount of money you're making, what you have done over the years as a business, if no one is going to stop you from doing what you have done, why change? Why change? No one is changing it. For, like, no one's changing it. And Patrick mentioned that a lower-level punter makes – like a guy gets drafted in the 11th round who makes the roster is going to make a million dollars a year. You want to know why? Because they're unionized. There's a players association. NBA has a players association. They have negotiated their share of what the NFL makes or the NBA makes or major league baseball makes. That's why they make ridiculous money. That's why they get the 50, 50 revenue share because they have the balls. I'm not saying fighters have balls. It's, that was probably a bad choice of words, but it's, they had the wherewithal to be like, we're willing to walk away from all of this. We're willing to just not come. We're, we're willing to not play. Like I'm making $10 million. Like everybody, everybody, even LeBron, all of them who are making all this money, like ridiculous money, major league baseball, the contracts in major league baseball. And this is guaranteed money. You don't even have to play. You could get injured and just not play, and you still make this money. The fighters didn't do that. Now, that was what, like, the $4.2 billion, that was, like, the perfect time to do it. Then, when they signed the ESPN deal, that was another time to do it, and they still didn't do it. They still didn't do it. People came forward. Some fighters banded together. Some different people, some different organizations, former Major League Baseball agents tried to get the fighters to come together, and they just wouldn't. They just wouldn't. And even like at the beginning stages of these, all they had to do was basically sign a letter of intent that we're going to do this. And it was anonymous and they still didn't do it. And they still didn't do it. So fighters a hundred percent should deserve more, deserve more money. And it would be nice if the organizations and the promotions said, you know what? You guys work really hard. You gals work really hard. We appreciate everything you've done. We are not where we are today without you. Here's more money. Here's this. Let's give you 33% of the share. Let's give you tw even 25, 30% of the share. Let's give it to you. You guys deserve it. You gals deserve it. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. They're making money hand over fist and because and no one is stopping them. No one is challenging them. I know there's. we do have an antitrust suit going on with some past fighters who are trying to change this narrative. But the UFC, because of this, all this money they have, all these resources they have, they could drag this thing on forever and nothing will change. That's why the UFC is – shout out to Tim Bissell, by the way, from Bloody Elbow. If you want to go check out some of the things the UFC 
is doing as a, as a business to make sure that there are no changes to this independent contractor status, go check out Tim Bissell's article. How much money the UFC is spending in Washington, D.C. on making sure that the Ali Act doesn't get approved. They're spending so much money on that. The UFC knows, like, they know they are well aware of what will happen to their business if things change. And they'll still make a lot of money. They'll still be extremely profitable, but just not as profitable as they are right now. And they know that. So while we want the fighters to get as much money as possible, and they goddamn deserve it, we have to understand the reasons why they aren't. And most organizations, like Major League Baseball wouldn't be paying these contracts if these fighters were to, if the players weren't associated. The NBA wouldn't be doing a 50-50 split. That's for damn sure of the TV revenue. But these, they banded together. They're organized. They have an association. They are happy to walk away with nothing just to get what they want. I just was part of this. Like it's it's a little bit different, but it was it's very public. Vox Media, we were gonna strike. We were gonna strike. The contract, the CBA that they had put together well before I came on, I think it was like a year before I came on, the contract ran up. There were different contingencies that we wanted as a group. And we were willing to walk away if we didn't get it. Luckily, cooler heads prevailed, came to terms, found a happy medium, everything worked out. Writers, all of us, it's, a, it's public knowledge. We're all making more money. We all got a raise. We all got more money because we were willing to walk away from it all. And it's scary to do that. I was freaking out. The whole build, two days before the contract is going to inspire, literally 18, like 36 hours before we were willing to, before we were going to walk away. I was freaking out. I was freaking out. But I wasn't going to turn my back on all of this. And sometimes you have to just be willing to walk away to get what you want. And I just hope someday, while my career is, hap- is still going on, while I'm breathing the air that I breathe, that these fighters come together and change things. That they say, you know what? We're just not going to fight. We're just not going to fight. We'll, we'll sit, we're going to sit down until you give us what we want. Someday, I hope it happens. Do I think it's going to happen anytime soon? No. And if you want sort of a realistic fighter's perspective as to why, go check out my interview in the YouTube archives with Joe Lozon. He will tell you why. Because as, as you find in most businesses, most people are selfish. And there's nothing wrong with that. You got to take care of your family. You got to take care of yourself. I get that. And it's hard to be like, Oh, what is this person? I've, I've never met this person before. I don't know who this person is. Why would I fight for them? I'm fighting for me. I want to make the most amount of money I can for my family and my, and like everybody that I love. Why do I care about this guy who just got a contract on the contender series? But Joe, and that's what Joe Lozon said. That's why he doesn't feel like there's ever going to be an association. There's ever going to be a union because most of the fighters who talk about pay are mostly doing it for themselves. And they're not, fighting for the rest of the roster or the organization. That's his take. And he's not a hundred percent wrong with that. So it stinks. This whole thing sucks. I would love to live in a world where 
the UFC just does the right thing where all these promotions do the right thing. But we just don't live in that. We just don't live in that world right now. Like even look at the PFL numbers when it came to fighter pay. Pettis making seven fifty, Kayla making five hundred. Some of the numbers that were coming out from those Atlanta cards, just some good money. But then you look at some of the other fighters, you're like, holy shit! How how do, how do these people live? Bellator, I mean Bellator too. Like Bellator pays their fighters very well from what I understand like really well I've talked to fighters who were in the UFC and were ranked in the UFC some who fought for titles in the UFC and then went to Bellator and they're making way more money in Bellator but the local fighters who are there on the prelims they don't make a I mean they don't make a lot of money either boxing's the same way boxing's the same way I mean they're all the same but at least in boxing, like you don't have that independent contractor status. You can just go box whoever you want. Maybe you sign an co- exclusive deal with a promoter, but it's not like you're lot like you can only fight in the WBA or the WBC or this. You can go fight whoever you want, but it's just going to be tied to a certain promotion. And I liked one idea from on the nose yesterday, and then I'll I'll move on. But I liked one idea is that the UFC should institute buyout clauses. Like at least that's a happy medium. Like for a guy like like for a guy like Nate Diaz, all right, you put a certain value on Nate. Like you think we'll put a, a five million dollar price tag on Nate. Let's just say Nate Diaz, we, we we have this contract and there's a five million dollar buyout clause. Okay. So if Nate has one fight left in his deal and he's dealing with this situation right now, and Bellator or PFL or Jake Paul's promotion or anybody else wants Nate, they can call the UFC or Nate can negotiate with these promotions and the UFC could say, cool, you want to go box Jake Paul? You want us to let him out of his deal? Fine, but you have to pay us $5 million and let him out, and we'll let him out of the deal. Okay, that's like, it's still not the best way to do it, but at least it's something. Other sports have buyout clauses in these types of situations. So there's ways we can go around this and improve it, but... Again, we're just spinning our wheels here, and it sucks that we have to have this conversation, and and this is the reality of the sport we love so much. It is what it is, and it stinks. All right, let's try Anthony once again. What's up, buddy? Hey, Mike. Heck of a morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So I've been thinking about this the last couple days, like with some rumors about Oliveira getting his next fight. And a lot of people seem to think that's going to be Islam. But, like, in my head, i just like, what has he done to deserve it? I mean, obviously, like, I mean, everybody seems to be consensus that he's the next guy in line and all this. But uh, Dana said in the past that he was going to get a fight with Benil Dariush. And I feel like that's still going to happen, you know, like it should happen. Um, I don't know. I just want your thoughts on the whole, like, vacant, vacant lightweight belt. Uh, situation. Thank you, sir. Yeah. um, This has been a topic of conversation for quite some time now. I would love to see the Makachev Dariush fight hundred percent, but I I just think Makachev is so good. And there's a lot of people who feel right now that he is the best lightweight in the world, even though his best win is against Dan Hooker. But again, we have to keep in mind when we say these things that it's not his fault that these are the guys he's fought. Because a lot of times he's booked against 
other guy, Benil Dariush, perfect example. He's booked against Benil. This is the fight. And then Benil gets hurt. Bobby Green steps in. He says, I'll stay on the card and fight whoever you want me to fight. And he goes out there and just thrashes him. The guy's good. Plus, you have the factor of Habib, who is a big star, who just got into the Hall of Fame. He is a very big deal for the promotion. And that Habib attachment automatically leads to more pay-per-view buys. So what I here is my here is my guess. Okay. I'm going to just throw this out there and and maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. And I have no insight to this whatsoever. Like absolutely none. No insight to this. I think it's going to be Oliveira versus Makachev. I do not think this fight happens in Abu Dhabi. I would say November, December, maybe at MSG, maybe in Vegas in December. That's where I think this fight will happen. I do not think it happens in Abu Dhabi. I don't think Oliveira is going to take it in Abu Dhabi. I don't blame him for not taking it in Abu Dhabi. I think he's okay with the fight. And I think the UFC is just going to be like, listen, you want to be a part of this title conversation. You want this fight with Conor McGregor that you keep telling everybody you want. Fine. We'll give it to you, but you have to fight this guy first. And if you don't want to go to Abu Dhabi, fine. Because Oliveira Makachev is a big deal anywhere. It's a big deal in Abu Dhabi. It's a big deal in New York. It's a big deal in Vegas. They want to do it in Atlanta. It doesn't matter. Anywhere in the world. You put that fight in the main event on a pay-per-view. It's going to sell. It is very interesting. And you tack on the Habib factor. That makes it more interesting as well. And you best believe the UFC is going to tell the story that, hmm, if Oliveira beats Makachev, maybe, just maybe, Habib will come back for one more to avenge his guy's loss. Not that I think that'll 100% happen, but you best believe that story is going to be told. Why? To sell more pay-per-views. Not that that fight needs it, but they're going to tell that story. So I think that fight will happen. You can feel how you feel. If you want to say that Makachev doesn't deserve it, he hasn't had that marquee win, that's fine. But you also have to keep in, in mind, it's not like Makachev has avoided those challenges. Makachev has been booked against these guys. They just happen to get hurt and injured, and he stays on the cards and fights because he doesn't want to... He wants to be a company guy. So we have to sort of weigh out both things. But his best win is against Dan Hooker. And if you want to say, eh, doesn't have the resume over a guy like Dariush or some of these other fighters, fine. But that's the fight. That's the best fight they can make right now. It's intriguing. And if you if 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 Oliveira wants that Connor fight, the UFC's willing to give it to him, but they ain't just gonna give it to him now. That he's gonna have to earn that opportunity. So yeah. Let's go to Zeke. Zeke. Zeke, what's up, buddy? No Zeke. Try again, my friend. Let's go to our man, Viking MMA. Usually takes a second to connect. There he is. Hello, sir. Hi. Thing that I just want to talk about one thing that the root roots of the fight repay whatever going on are you know the unranked fighters and I just don't want your answer about that. I just heard Sean O'Malley asking answering a question about uh, healthcare healthcare uh, sort of insurance uh, of the of the fighters and he said that UFC take cares 
of me very good and you know dana doesn't give a shit about ufc fighters you never would have done that what he has done and i just wanna know about kamaru usman going to light heavyweight i mean there are so many fighters in top 10 who who have very good takedown defense and as compared to kamaru usman and lot of lot of good strikers i mean better strikers and the better wrestlers grapplers than kamaru usman and you know how things will go if he goes there up in the lightweights in the light heavyweight division thank you viking mma yeah i mean i don't know like i kind of feel the same way as i feel about like the whole canelo thing although i feel like this is not out of the realm of possibility but you, i mean it, it all depends I, i i'm not willing to willing to really give a take on it right now because it's just something he says it's just like he says i want to fight canelo like he's never going to fight canelo a fight will never ever 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 happen canelo who would make the easiest payday of his career in winning that fight still the, it, like he doesn't even want it so that just goes to show you like it's just never going to happen the light heavyweight thing at least is getting guys say like yan bohovich like okay i'll fight him say like if kamaru usman goes out there beats leon edwards and then he fights shamayev and beats shamayev like what else is there for him at 170 like shaun brady if he beats Bilal, like bola muhammad like i don't think either of those fights interest him right now honestly i don't think either of those fights would get him out of bed at all i don't even think leon edwards is getting him out of bed at all to be perfectly honest i just think that fight's just there and he's like okay i'll fight they're probably paying him a, a whole bunch of money to to take this fight and come back in august because the ufc like just doesn't have a main event like i think there's probably a chance Usman's coming back a little soon but i still think even at like 80% he beats leon edwards and pretty convincingly but the man is just like he's probably a little bored like he has beat everybody and he's beat guys twice like he's beat everybody he hasn't fought shamayev yet but like that's literally the one left like who's he going to fight wonderboy cuz he hasn't fought him yet like we're just reaching for things at this point like the man needs to go challenge himself I have no issue if he wants to go to a 5. It's a bold move. I understand why he's just going to skip up and do 185, but you know what ha- like if Alex Pereira beats Israel Adesanya and then like if they run it back and Pereira wins again, like Usman probably won't go to a 5. He'll just go to 185. And that's fine. I don't think we have a lot of time left with Kamara Usman. I think we may have like three or four more fights at the most before he's just done and just says, "All right, I'm going to go spend time with my daughter, with my family." and I'm just going to chill out for a little while. Maybe joins the UFC as a as a commentator cuz he's tremendous at that. He's really good on color. Like if you watch the Eagle FC cards, he is fantastic. It's a whole different presentation when he makes his appearance on those television shows, on those events. He's great. And he's got a bright future whatever he wants to do. So, I don't I think his this is him just saying, "Listen, I don't have a lot of time fighting on left on the sport like fighting and competing in the sport." If I can get these types of challenges, this is what I want. So, yeah, we'll see. I I think it's possible. 
the, the health insurance thing, again, goes to my other point. I mean, Sean O'Malley says the UFC takes I, – I, I have to go back and listen to that, but UFC does takes care of him. Yeah, they take care of him when he's fighting or he has a fight booked. What about when he's not fighting? What about if he just goes to the gym and trains and breaks his leg without a fight on the books? You know who pays for that? Sean O'Malley pays for that. Not the UFC. So, there you go. All right, Zeke. Let's see if we can get this to work. Hello there, Mike. There we go. Let's go. Hello, buddy. All right, I've been I've been thinking on a lot. I've been listening, of course. I'm going to be as short and sweet as possible. I got three things. I'm going to rebuttal to uh, our most recent caller. I think it might have been Anthony. At the moment, in my opinion, the champion has a name, and his name is Charles Oliveira. Uh, that guy is just a freak. You know what I mean? From like the lowest of the lowest to the highest of the highs, that guy just goes in there, proves people wrong. Uh, I think he got absolutely screwed by the commission or whatever the hell the deal was in Arizona when uh, he weighed in. I think a half a pound, of course. It's in the championship contract, and the contract is the exact weight. However, you know, I feel like he's just such an electric fighter, had such bad downs before this. It's tough to take that belt away from him, but maybe he's going to have to go out there and earn it against a guy like Islam or a different lightweight. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to leave you with a question for this main event. And then uh, I guess I'm going to answer – or not answer, but talk about, uh, you know, the reaction to the Nate Diaz interview. I'm not going to lie. It's just so funny. It's almost comedy when that guy is on a mic because he's talking about how Connor would have been okay if he fought him for a third time and maybe wouldn't have got choked out. Like, no, Nate, like, Connor just gassed against Khabib. And when you do that, Khabib is going to jump on your neck and make, you know, make you pay and do what Khabib does. But, you know, we, of course, don't need to talk sense and commonality with Nate Diaz. You're not really going to get into a, you know, too big of a, a bright, a high IQ conversation with Nate. Uh, so with this main event coming up this weekend, we got Yair. I'm very excited to see how he faces off with Brian Ortega. Obviously, Ortega's eye in uh, – you know, that rematch with Volk, maybe. Do you think that's where they go if Ortega does get it done? In my opinion, I think five rounds is a little bit too long for Yair to stay standing. And I think if Yair gets on the mat for even a half a second, that this fight is just beyond over. I think Yair has such a chokeable neck. However, Yair on the feet, it'll be a show. You know what I mean? Like, he was tuning up and piecing on Max Holloway, and we saw what Max Holloway did to Brian Ortega. So, obviously, Yair's talking about possibly getting – the title shot if he wins best of luck to you you know dana white definitely makes some promises but uh what do you think about ortega if he does get it done or yair so i guess maybe do a little on to the next one for the main event ahead of time and then uh, yeah that's about it in my opinion i'm on team jed michu here though i definitely want uh brian ortega to have to pass another litmus test before we see that ball rematch maybe it's josh emmett maybe it is I don't know, maybe Max Holloway's next fight? I don't know, maybe I'm talking out of my butt. I kind of do want to see Justin Gaethje versus Max Holloway. I know that was a matchup you guys mentioned. On on to the next one. Thank you for everything you do, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I think you kind of just answered the question right there. If Brian Ortega wins, he's fighting Josh Emmett next. That's 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 it. There's, there's your answer. There's your answer. At first, I was like, Josh Emmett needs to be the biggest Brian Ortega fan on earth because then he gets a title shot. I still don't think he gets a title shot, even if Ortega wins. I think he's got to win one more. The Cater one just doesn't do it. And if you're Volkanovsky, are you excited to fight Josh Emmett, who squeaked out a split decision against Calvin Cater in a fight that a lot of people felt he lost? I, I just don't know if that gets him excited. Now, 
the timing actually works out okay here because we hate seeing MMA fighting's pound for pound best fighter Alexander Volkanovsky on the sidelines, but broke his thumb. He's going to be out for 12 weeks before. So we may not even see Volk again till the end of the year at the earliest, if not early 2023. So in the UFC, Dana White, they've already expressed interest in allowing Volkanovsky to go up to 55. So I think the best thing for this division in order to keep this thing moving forward, keep the ship moving a little bit, is that Yair wins. Yair goes out, wins a decision or whatever, has a fun fight because there's no way this fight's going to stink. Just goes out there, gets a win. Alex Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez is fun. I think that's one that will get Volk excited. On the on the flip side, I just don't think the, the alternatives really get him excited. Ortega, I think down the road it will, but it's just we just saw that fight. And I don't think Josh Emmett's going to get get him all that fired up either. So, yeah, I think if Ortega wins, they'll do the Josh Emmett fight. Then the winner gets a title shot. And if Yair wins, he'll just fight Volk whenever Volk's ready to go. Or maybe Volk just goes to 155 or Ortega wins as well. Who the hell knows? But, yeah, Volk's got options. He's the best fighter on the planet as of right now. So there you go. Tajik Bay. You are up. We'll go for like another 10 minutes or so. Are you there? I'm always here, Mike. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. It's actually a heck of a morning today, you know? Uh, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to share some insights, you know, uh, with regards to the fighter pay, this, that, you know, uh, uh, Dana giving... Uh, uh, you know, two hundred fifty thousand. You know, to to a full cent guys. I think uh, people just uh, jumping on this news so much, and I think they're missing out uh, the part of the bigger narrative that is happening right now. And that is that. You know, it's my personal opinion. Just just my opinion, right? Uh, is that uh, UFC is is uh, now that you know the bigger uh, conglomerates like such as Full Sand and Barstool are looking into the MMA media space uh, and to expand their par- uh, partnerships, you know, UFC is looking in the same direction, right? So what's happening right now, the, these, these type of partnerships are taking place where you see Sean O'Malley being signed by Full Send. Full Send is having its own MMA outlet right now and the same uh, thing happening with the Barstool Media where, you know, they get an access to the interviews, to the fighters, they get to sign the fighters, right? So in a way, what's happening, uh, traditional media outlets, you know, uh, such as uh, yours and, you know, MMA Junkie and others, I think right now are kind of, they're, they're part of the UFC's uh, media strategy as well. But, uh, uh, but Full Sand right now and Barstool will take the priority seat right now in those type of relationships where uh, they, will, they will continue to forge those relationships. And, you know, in part of this, Kind of this two hundred fifty thousand dollar exchange. I think it's also it's 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 also the part of the it's also a demonstration of the great relationship and and uh, aspirations to make it even stronger that Dana has. Uh, uh, I believe because he, yeah, that's 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 I think that's what I wanted to share. I think we shouldn't focus much on how much money was given and to whom, and instead focus on the fact that on the interesting narrative that's now emerging. And that is that uh, 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 that full send right now and a bar stool right now are are going to be dominating, you know, the MMA media space. Or that's the intent in terms of the partnership uh, uh, with the UFC. I'm curious to hear if you're noticing the same uh, happening. And I think it's worth covering. And uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting story that is not being talked about enough 
in the mainstream MMA media right now. But I'm curious to hear your feedback on that. Thank you, Tadric Bay. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's something we have talked about before. The word dominating the MMA, like dominating the MMA media space, that's never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. Will they? Will they get preferential treatment from the UFC? Sure. Will they have certain things that they do that get some views? Sure. Are they going to dominate the MMA media space? Absolutely not. There's no chance that happens. There's no chance that happens. Guess what? Everybody makes mistakes. They're going to do something dumb. And that's it. Now, will they continue to get this treatment as long as Dana White is the president? Yeah, it's possible. Like, But there's a reason for that. Like, they are, they are big outlets. And they bring in a casual audience, sure. But they're also... Like, you need the MMA fightings. You need even the junkies and some of these other ones, because we will actually challenge the fighters and, and Dana White. We'll take them to task for these types of things. Barstool won't. Full said and won't. They won't do that. They will PR the UFC. And the UFC, like, it's a smart strategy. Like, it's a smart strategy. It definitely is. But, and the UFC knows that. What can we do to get the most amount of views Without any controversy, we'll do interviews with Barstool. We'll do interviews with Full Send. And listen, I've met Robbie Fox before. He's a really nice guy. And he has never once said that he's a journalist or he's going to cover the sport the way that I cover it or AK or anybody else covers it. He is a fan who gets paid to be a fan. And it's a pretty damn good gig. I'm sure a lot of people in here right now would love to get paid to be a fan of the UFC. Who wouldn't? So I don't blame, like there, there's a lot of media members who give Robbie Fox crap, who give the full send guys crap. I don't care. They're in their lane. I'm in mine. What they do affects me, does not affect me in the slightest. I will continue to be who I am. I will continue to cover the sport the way I cover it. They have their lane. I have mine. I'm happy to stay in it. I'm proud to be in the lane that I'm in. And there you go. I don't think they're going to dominate the MMA media space, but they're certainly going to have a presence and that's fine. If that's, I think what we're here for is like Barstool, Full Sends, they are helpful to the UFC because they will help bring in a different kind of audience. They will use their social media presence to attract eyeballs. But once, and that's cool. And that'll work for so long with each individual person. But eventually you're going to get to a point where you're like, you get, because like most people here found MMA, you were intrigued by MMA. You maybe fell in and out of love with MMA at some point, but then eventually you just became so enthralled about it that you just couldn't like, that's it. We're just like, all right, I'm in, here we are. We are, I am an MMA fan. I'm never missing a UFC card. I'm never missing a Bellator card. I'm never missing a BKFC card. I'm watching everything. That's it. Full send, Barstool, they are not for those types of people. We are. The hardcores. We're the hardcores. We know who these fighters are. We know who these fighters are. We knew who Sean Brady was four years ago. Barstool didn't know who Sean Brady was four years ago. 
We knew who Armand Sarukian was three years ago. Barstool didn't. Barstool probably didn't know who Armand Sarukian was until he fought at his first main event. And again, that's fine. That's fine. They don't do it like we do. They have their own lane. They want Connor. They want Dana. They want the stars. They want to get slapped in the face by Nate Diaz. I don't want to get slapped in the face by Nate Diaz. That's not my thing. I don't need a highlight reel of Nate knocking a Boston Red Sox hat off of my head. That's just not the type of thing I want to be doing at this point in my career. It's not who I am. They are who they are. They are the casual audience. They attract those people. But eventually, when you get enthralled and you officially become all in on this sport and combat sports in general, you will leave them behind and you will come and look at different types of content. You want to know who the next wave of fighters are. You want to know why we feel that Alexander Volkanovsky is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. You want those types of opinions. And there's value to the Barstool relationship and there's value to the full send relationship. They brought in a lot of fans, 100%. But you graduate from that. You graduate from that. Full send and Barstool are the first love. They're the first love. You learn a lot from those relationships. You, you, you learn all, you feel these feelings you never felt before. But then you break up with them. And then you come back and you meet Alexander K. Lee and you're like, oh, I could spend the rest of my life with that guy. I want to hear what he has to say and only what he has to say. And I want to hear what other people that he, that he's around have to say, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it is. That's what it is. There's value in the first love. You always remember your first love, but you ain't most of the time you don't marry the first love. And I think that's kind of what the relationships are. And the UFC is very smart to utilize those relationships. I went on a tangent there. Hopefully that answers your question and at least gives you my opinion. So Terrence, then whiskey, you're next. How you doing? Good. Um, kind, kind of the back up what the other gentleman was saying. Um, I think one of the points that he was trying to make as well is that he's kind of like buying out these um, other places, like, for example, like Barstool and Full Sin and so forth. And that way he can create the narrative. Um, it's almost like, I don't want to make it political, but they're like his Fox News. So he'll say what he wants and then they'll spew how he wants it to be spewed and they'll be too afraid to lose that relationship and it'll be too valuable that they won't challenge those people. So I think that's one of the points he's trying to make. Um, And I think that's awful. Like, of course, for him it's not, but just for like society and the fighters and everything else, um, he's trying to buy the narrative and I think that's where the problem lies. The 250000 is more like a payment to almost like hush money, like, hey, I'm going to give you this. You guys be cool. Um, don't say anything about this. Don't um, spew anything that you might hear in the regular MMA media. Um, and we're cool, right? That's kind of what it seemed like. This We're cool money. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, though, as far as, like, the fights this weekend, um, Amanda Lemos, I believe she lost the last two fights. Like, I thought she lost against um, <clears throat> Hill, and, of course, she lost her last fight. And I think Waterson has a chance because she hasn't been finished in like a very long time. I think it was since Rose. And I just see an upset. I think she can get a submission. And I think it'll be relatively easy if she can get it to the ground. Um, what are your thoughts? Because a lot of people think that Lehman's just going to like run through her and knock her out. But I just don't see that happening. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting fight. 
Yeah, I mean, I lean Lamos. I just think I just think the size discrepancy is just going to be such a big deal. Like, I know they're both technically strawweights fighting at flyweight, and I like that. But we have to remember that Lamos was a was a bantamweight. She was a bantamweight, and then she just dropped to one fifteen and has just been a murderer in a lot of these fights. Now, the Angela Hill fight was different. Obviously, she got strangled by Jessica Andrade, and a lot of people get strangled by Jessica Andrade because she is one of the best fighters in the world pound for pound in women's MMA. It's just a hundred percent. If you're going to take water, like I'm going to look at this from a betting perspective. I don't think Watterson's going to some, I don't think Watterson's going to submit Amanda Lamosh. I don't think that happens. Do I see a world where Watterson can win this fight? Certainly. I think if you're going to bet on Watterson, don't take the money line, just find like a Watterson by decision prop and go with it. I feel like that's her, I feel like that's her best bet because she's going to have to weather. She's going to have to weather a storm in this fight. There's no doubt about it. That first round is going to be tough, but if she can get out of that first five minutes and extend this fight and make Lamos work a little bit and get her a little tired mixing of the martial arts, I think she could win a decision here. I don't think Lamos is going to go out there and just dead Michelle Watterson, but I think it's going to be a, if this gets out of the first round, it's going to be a real interesting fight. So Thank you, AK. Watterson by split decision is plus fourteen hundred right now. I don't know if I need to go with the split route. It's not like a bad thing to sprinkle. Uh, you know, if you, want to, if, if you want to take the decision prop and then just like sprinkle a, a tiny unit or a quarter of a unit or even less on the split decision prop, have at it. But yeah, I think it's. A, I think it's. I think Watterson's got a chance to win for sure. But I don't know if she goes out there and submits a Mandalamosh. I could be wrong. Let's go to Whiskey Tango Faded. Here we go. What's up, Whiskey Tango Faded? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right, perfect. Sorry about that. I'm at work right now, so I'm just trying to keep this as casual as possible. <laughs> nice. Oh, luckily, I work in a head shop, so it's pretty casual as is. Um, so I wanted to touch on a few things. Uh, the first being that I honestly don't think that uh, Nate Diaz being let go of the UFC without having a final fight would be a smart business decision for them because he is a um, one of those few stars that transition outside of the UFC and he has star power outside of the UFC. There's not a lot of uh, fighters that can actually really hold that you know card in their back pocket. I believe that um, if they tooled a card around, or sorry, if they penned rather a card around Nate Diaz, something at in New York again, like they did with um, with uh, Masvidal, I believe that it would be a huge uh, money fight for both Diaz, whomever his opponent being, who I honestly think should probably go back, have another big money fight against Masvidal. For two reasons, it would be good money for both the gentlemen. I don't think that um, Nate Diaz necessarily could win that fight again or ever, but it would be good for Masvidal for getting him uh, another dub under his belt, especially with the last three outings not being all that very interesting or (laughs) good for that matter. Um, So I wanted to to ask your opinion on that. And the other thing I kind of wanted to ask your opinion on and uh, get some uh, other people's thoughts on is um, why the UFC 
isn't setting up events to create more stars and star power. They like to almost naturally let these things occur by the personalities of the fighters basically um, setting themselves up for either success or failure, which I understand it's a good model because it's generally a win-win for them. They don't have to put the money in behind the fighter and advertising. And if the fighter themselves is good at advertising for themselves, it's a win-win. But I honestly think that if they had put, I don't know, some of the money that they've been using for whatever, uh, 250K just given out, like things like that, if they just put that money towards creating more star power in the mainstream media to bring uh, uh, casual viewers into being, as you were describing so aptly before, transitioning from a casual to somebody who just can't live without the sport that needs to watch everything. I think that it would bring more money into the UFC and MMA as a whole, as well as allow fighters to be able to um, create better narratives for themselves, create more money for themselves on both sides of that. Personally, I think these are some routes that the UFC should be taking and they're kind of uh, screwing the pooch in personally. I don't know why that just happened. Uh, thank you, sir. So to address the Nate thing, no one's saying that the UFC just released Nate. Like, no one's saying that. And Nate's not even saying that. Nate's saying, let me go. But he's saying, just, I have one fight left in my deal. Left in my deal. Just give me a freaking fight. I've been asking for a fight for a year. Give me a fight. We know what, they, like, we know what the UFC is trying to do. They offered him Shemaev in Abu Dhabi. And there's no way he was going to take that fight. And the UFC knew that he wasn't going to take that fight at that time. So, because he's not going to go to Abu Dhabi to fight anybody. It's not Shamayev. It's not, it, he wouldn't go to Abu Dhabi to fight anybody. He's Nate Diaz. Why would he do that? So, he knew that the UFC knew he would turn that down so they could extend his deal another six months. They could offer him another fight and then they could just extend his contract. But Nate has not been like, nah, I ain't fighting. He wants to fight. He wants to fight. So, just let him fight. Just let him. And then let him go on his merry way. Like, everyone's on the same page. Like, the guy wants to fight. He's got multiple people who want to fight him. Kevin Holland would fight him. Dustin Poirier would fight him. Like, I just don't understand why this Dustin fight hasn't been made yet. I don't get it. I don't get it. They Everybody wants it. Everybody wants it. And the UFC's just like, nah, I'm going to be an asshole about it. So, it's just dumb. The whole thing's stupid. Uh the other thing about the star building, like the UFC doesn't need to build stars. Like they just like for a business sense, like, yeah, it'd be great to have to build newer stars, but they don't have to. They're making a billion dollars a year. A billion dollars a year. This ESPN deal is ridiculous. It's free money. All they have to do is put on events. It doesn't matter who's on them. We've seen it. We've seen some of the cards they put together. Some of them are, some of the fight night cards are great. Some of them are tough, tough hangs. And they don't care because it's all money in their pocket. It's all free money. Ratings don't matter. None of that matters. It's guaranteed money. No matter who watches it, doesn't watch it, how many pay per views they sell, pay per view buys are just cherry on top of the Sunday, like I said earlier. 
They don't have to do that. They don't need to make the effort because they don't, it doesn't matter. Nothing changes. If they put on an event and create another star, they don't get another dime. And if they don't, then they don't lose another dime. You know what I mean? Like they're in a, they're in a tremendous position right now from a business sense where they could just, all they have to do is put cards on and they make a billion dollars a year. So they're in pretty good shape. All right. I got to take two more and I have to get out of here. Dom, we'll go to you and then we'll go to Beal. Dom, are you there? In? Yes. Oh, sorry about that. There's a delay in my end. Um, I wanted to take you to the first month of 2023, that first pay-per-view of the year. And you're going to have to like make a little bit of a prediction as to how the rest of the year goes. But you get to be Dana White for for this moment and you're setting up three fights for that main card, three five-round fights. For me, it would be the BMF rematch between Masvidal and Diaz finally get him out of that contract. It'll be Shevchenko versus whoever the bantamweight champion is for the bantamweight championship. And then it's John Jones versus whoever the number one contender or the most active number one heavyweight is, whether that's Ngannou comes back or it's Stipe finally, who I believe is still number one. Uh, but yeah, that's my take. What do you think? You look into 2023, that first pay-per-view. Um, what, what three matches are you setting up? And also, as ever, happy birthday, AK. <laughs> awesome. Three fights. Three five-rounders, first pay-per-view of the year. Um, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. Or Yeah, Francis versus Jones would be number one. Number two would be Davis and Figueredo versus the winner of Brandon Moreno, Kai Kaur, France. There's number two. Number three. Um, yeah, Shif- I like the Shevchenko going for the second title. I'll go with that. That works. But Ngano, Ngano's comeback against John. Being positive, being positive that they could re-sign Francis and make that all whole and they give him what he wants, but that's how I would do it because I would give Francis what he wants because he deserves it. All right, Beal, you're up. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, sir. Uh, I'm a relatively new listener. I just want to say I've been loving all the content. I love the dynamics between all all our great writers over there. Um, uh, I just wanted to say, uh, to add on to this sort of Dana White, hate uh for lack of a better term i i totally agree with what jed was saying a couple of days ago how like the ufc doesn't want to do anything that's fun and like with the ultimate fighter or whatever whatever it is and uh i just want to know who you think would be the best person to take over for dana white let's say he felt some something happened to him and he couldn't complete his duties or he just gave up his position um and also uh we're talking about stars and building stars and stuff uh i would like to see if if patty the baddie can get past jordan levitt i would love to see him versus armand saruki and uh i think that fight would be great for armand to get get some clout uh maybe steal some uh patty shine and uh yeah have a heck of a morning thank you very much um yeah i the first question is so hard because it's gonna be it's gonna be hunter campbell it wouldn't be very fun, but it would probably be Hunter Campbell taking over for Dana. I feel like they've already kind of, they're already setting the table for that. 
and then the second thing I will, I will answer your question with another question. Why do you hate Patty Pimblett? Do you want Patty Pimblett to get seriously injured? You want to put Patty Pimblett in with Armand Sarukian? That would be a colossal thrashing for poor Patty Pimblett. He would get he would get mauled by Armand Sarukian. So I mean, maybe maybe Patty said something about uh, I don't know, but I mean that would just be horrible for Patty Pimblett. He's like. I'm I'm having a hard time feeling confidence that he beats Jordan Levitt. Never mind an absolute freak like Armand Sarukian. Armand Sarukian is going to be the UFC lightweight champion in two years. He's going to be. Like I know he lost to Gamrot technically, but he didn't lose that fight in my opinion. I've watched that fight several times. In fact, I watched it again for the fifth time last night because it was so good. And Sarukian won it in the fifth watch. He won it four rounds to one on the fifth watch. It's so good. Just go back. Like that fight just rules. doesn't matter. Win or loss. Like I, I Sarukian's going to learn from that. And it's all good. But boy, oh boy, poor Patty Pimblett would get absolutely mauled by Armand Sarukian. It would not be it would, Patty Pimblett fans. As soon as that fight books, Patty, Patty Pimblett fans are going to be like, whoa, why would you ever do that to, to my guy here? How you, how you book Patty Pimblett is you keep doing what you're doing. Inch by inch, small step ups every single time. You f- have him fight in London every single time and you get him over. Just give him a win. Give the man a win. And Armand Sarukian is not that guy to give him a win against by any stretch of the imagination. Armand Sarukian would be a minus 2,000 favorite in that fight. And if he's not, I'm, I don't bet on MMA, but if he's not a minus 2,000 favorite, I'm betting on Sarukian, whatever that line is. Anything lower than minus 2,000, I'm betting on Sarukian. And I'm, like, betting a lot. A lot. But, all right, we got to get out of here. I know there's other people waiting. I apologize. We got to go. But the good news is all of you waiting right here. I'm Hold on. I just took a screenshot, okay? I just took a screenshot. I'm going to save it. I'm a man of my word. Boom. Saved it. Tobbs, Swap, Ani, Mr. Bucks, okay? We heard from Viking Anime already. We'll probably hear from him again. You four. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern, we're going to do it again. Actually, scratch that. Scratch that. I don't know what time we're going tomorrow, but we are going tomorrow, okay? Because the UFC, their UFC Long Island weigh-ins are going out tomorrow morning. We're going to go after the weigh-ins are over. But Tob, Swap, Ani, Mr. Bucks, okay? Stay tuned. As soon as I release that time, whenever you four virtually raise your hand on tomorrow's show, you're going first, okay? You're skipping the damn line, and we're getting you in here, all right? Tob, Swap, Ani, Mr. Bucks. Boom. You four, the four horsemen, you're going to skip the line. All right? It's like you get the fast pass at Disney World. There you go. But we got to get out of here. A lot going on. I got multiple interviews today. I'm going to be talking a lot today. And then at 3 p.m. Eastern, we're back. BTL, competition. Jed Mishu is going to try to get over the hump. Every time he has faced Drake Riggs, 
since we've had the the fan voting, he has been on the wrong end of it. Even though a lot of people feel like Jed's been robbed in his last couple of outings due to the fan votes, Jed's going to try to exercise those demons, takes on Drake Riggs, a lot to discuss on BTL, hot takes galore. And we appreciate you joining us for that. And we appreciate you joining us here. So thank you very much. You guys are the best. Have a great rest of the day. See you tomorrow. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.